an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I am Ryan Warmly, joined on this Friday morning, as I always am, by Derek Brown and Pat Fitzmorris. Fellas, it is week 13, and we finally... Finally, finally got a good Thursday night football game. I didn't know what to do with my hands. It was exciting. It was fun. It was high scoring. It started early and kept going all game long. Great finish. Great game. Great for fantasy. Debra, what was your biggest takeaway from this Cowboys Seahawks just bonanza? I did not project that type of game for DK Metcalf. I was... I've been very bullish on him in the primer the last few weeks, and I was like, he's this close to a breakout game, to a monster performance. Didn't didn't think that was going to come at the expense of Deron Bland, man. Although although I don't know who did, but oof. Talk about a comeback game for Chef Gino playing the way that we think he could play, and DK Metcalf just balling, man. He looked amazing. I mean, like shot out of a cannon on that, that first catch. Yeah, Metcalf, the obvious like, huge statistical takeaway, six catches, 134 yards, three touchdowns, including the 73-yarder. But like Zach Charbonnet got 19 carries. He got a touchdown in 60 yards. JSN had 11 targets, mm-hmm. highest in his career so far, just 62 yards. We, and we got should have had a touchdown. And should have had a touchdown. Yeah, yep, should have had there. a touchdown. I'm with you there. CeeDee Lamb, huge game, 12 catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Ferguson had a touchdown. Brandon Cooks had a touchdown. Tony Pollard had a touchdown. Dak Prescott was a yard shy of a 300-yard three-touchdown game. I mean, Fitz, this was awesome. Yeah, a lot of fantasy goodness in this one. No punts. Only a handful of games in NFL history where we've not seen any punts and we did not get a single punt last night. So, yeah, this was exactly what you were looking for. Uh, And, you know, some of us were even forced to start Geno Smith in a super flex league. Uh, You know, didn't have high hopes for him going up against Dallas, but boy, he looked terrific. Um, Yeah, and this was just a reminder that DK Metcalf is a pretty special player. Like, sometimes he's got headwinds with two other good receivers around Geno not having a great year this year. But, uh, you know, that that was just a reminder of how good Metcalf can be. Yeah, that was a super fun game. Um, we'll, we'll move on from it because we got a lot to cover on the show, as we always do on Fridays. But, uh, we, you know, we could we could spend 20 minutes just gushing mm-hmm. about that game yes. because of how rare it is on a Thursday night. It was just we, we all had fun and we sure felt like Al Michaels deserved that. We have six teams on bye this week, guys. So there are actually are fewer matchups to run through than usual, but we also have fewer players to pick from when starting our lineups. So hopefully everybody is able to find to to you know reach into the depths of their of their benches and find some startable players here. The teams on bye are the Giants, the Vikings, the Raiders, the Bears, the Bills, and of course my Baltimore Ravens. Matchup previews. Guys, let's jump in here. Sunday early afternoon slate Chargers at Patriots. My key question for you is Ramondre Stevenson all the way back after totaling 338 rushing and receiving combined yards and two touchdowns across the last three games. Debra, I'll start with you. 
Yeah, baby. He's all the way back. I mean, what we've been wanting for the entire season is happening now. I, it, it sucks we didn't get it till now, but we're getting it now when these weeks and these games matter the most. So you got Mondre, baby. You're starting him. I love him this week. He's going to be a top 13, top 12 back for me. And I know people are going to look at this matchup for Mondre and say, well, yeah, but he's going to get the Chargers, man. Like, this run defense is good, right? Not over the last few weeks, man. You look since week seven, the Bolts' run defense is allowing the 12th highest explosive run rate, 10th highest yards to contact per attempt. Mondre's going to flirt with 20 to 25 touches in this game. He's an RB1. You said he might be an RB13-ish for you. He is RB13 in ECR. So you think that's about right as far as the ranking? Yeah, I think it's about right. I mean, like, I, I've floated him anywhere between, like, RB11 to RB14, 15, just with my ranks throughout the week. So I don't hate that at all. I think he's definitively a locked-in top 15 play, though. Fitz, is Ramondre Stevenson back or back back? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I've got him ranked about where Debro does. I think I have him at RB13. Uh, I want to say he is back, Worm. Like, for the first eight weeks of the season, Ramondre didn't have even 60 rushing yards in a single game. Over the last three weeks, 87 rushing yards, 88 yards, 98 yards. The only reason I hesitate a little bit is that the only decent run defense he's faced during that stretch was Washington. Otherwise, going up against the Giants, whose who's run defense is just pretty wretched, and the Colts, whose run defense completely went to hell when uh, Grover Stewart, their defensive tackle, got hit with a PED suspension. But what's encouraging, we saw Ramondre get a season-high 78% snap share last week. Uh, I'm optimistic we'll see more of the 2022 version of Ramondre the rest of the way than the 2023 version. And as Debro pointed out, Chargers Rundy was really kind of a surprise early in the year, uh, but it's kind of reverted to being a mediocre unit in the last month or so. Let's move on to the next game here. Lions at Saints. Predict who has a better game this week, David Montgomery or Jameer Gibbs. Fitz, I'll start with you this time. I'm going to say Gibbs just because he has been playing more snaps than Montgomery ever since Monty came back from a rib injury in week 10. Uh, Over the last three games, Gibbs has played at least 10 more snaps in every game than Montgomery. So um, just on the sheer volume of snaps and uh, maybe touches too, I'm going to say Gibbs. Yeah, Debra, we're we're obviously interested in starting both guys on a weekly basis, but um, you know, just for the sake of, of argument, who are you expecting to be better? Who are you ranking higher this week? I think I'm going to go with Dave Montgomery. Uh, looking at how this game projects, and I think we're going to get a pissed off Detroit Lions team after they got just shellacked by the Packers. Kudos, Fitz. I know they must have been making you smile <laughs> ear to ear, baby. But after that game, I think we're going to get Detroit's going to be fired up, man. So. I think we're going to see, especially we also need to bring up here, New Orleans is depleted, man. Like, I don't know if Chris Lave plays, Rashid Shahid's going to be out, Michael Thomas is already on the IR. So who's Derek Carr throwing to? A.T. Perry, Lynn Bowden, Juwan Johnson. We got Taysom Hill rolling out there. I mean, besides that, Detroit could really make them a one-dimensional offense, taking away the run game. They've done that to multiple opponents in this entire year. And this is the long buildup for me to say that a lot of positive game script. This game could tilt in David Montgomery's favor, especially he got a full practice in yesterday. This could be one of those games where Detroit says, you know what, Jared Goff, you kind of struggling. We don't like turnovers. We're just going to let David Montgomery run the damn ball. And they he should be able to do that because New Orleans, since week seven, their run defense has been terrible. Sixth highest yards of contact per attempt. They're also bleeding out the second highest yards per carry to zone runs. 
5.0 yards per carry. That's 53% of David Montgomery's runs this year. Debro, just to pull back the curtain a bit, I, I really struggled to come up with a question on the, on that matchup just because it felt like a very obvious game from a fantasy perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, we know the guys were starting. We know the guys were sitting in that matchup. Am I missing anything here? Is this like a sneaky good matchup for Taysom Hill? Is there, like, do we really like A.T. Perry this week? Like, did I miss an obvious question on this one? Or is this just kind of a boring one for fantasy managers at least? So there's a lot of stuff up in the air with all the injury stuff. Like once we get the rule outs, I would say the, the the two guys that jump off the page as far as being sneaky plays is that we've seen what A.T. Perry looks like as a starter over the last two weeks. He's not commanding targets. Lynn Bowden kind of gives me this the spider sense tingle. We've seen various spots like we know he has the juice. He got run last week. They could use him in a variety of ways. Jet sweeps, all that type of stuff in the red zone. He's the guy, as far as deep leagues, if you're struggling, and I mean, you obviously you have to be really struggling, but if that's the case, Lynn Bowden, especially Dynasty Leagues, you could pick him up this week and, and he could be a spot start for you if all these guys are ruled out. But the other guy that pops off here is Jawan Johnson. Detroit's been top 12 and everything allowed to tight ends. He got an 18% target share. So if there are two like random off-the-page Saints that I'd like to talk about or that I think that could help fantasy GMs this week, it's those two. It's hard to believe we are this deep into the NFL season. We got to make every second count. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can make the most out of every game day. Bet your favorite teams for a shot at winning big bucks. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting five on any matchup. We may have a brutal six teams on by in week 13, but we can still find some awesome matchups to get excited about. 49ers-Eagles is the obvious standout, and Chiefs-Packers super intriguing as well, but the sneaky most important game might actually end up being Broncos Texans with both teams at a surprising six and five right in the thick of the playoff hunt the Texans are laying three and a half points at home in that one I cannot wait to watch it get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL download the app now and use code fantasy pros new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just five bucks on the NFL only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code fantasy pros the crown is yours Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Four six seven three six nine. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Guys, let's go to game number three here. Falcons at the Jets. My key question here fits. Brees Hall hasn't topped 30 rushing yards in a game since week nine. He hasn't topped 50 rushing yards in a game since week five. What's your trust level in him right now? I'd say my level of trust in Brees Hall is still reasonably high because he is so heavily involved as a pass catcher. Over his last six games, Hall is averaging six targets, five receptions, and 43.5 receiving yards a game. That said, there's always at least a little bit of nervousness when you're talking about uh, a a star player whose team is a a sinking ship, and the Jets are the Titanic right now. They have hit the iceberg, women and children first. You've got Billy Zane trying to weasel his (laughs) way into the life draft. Um, 
So, yeah, like, that is what concerns you, but, uh, like, Hall is still going to be the key driver of this offense, especially with Tim Boyle at quarterback. I'm pretty, like, every time you bring up a movie from the 90s, I'm just assuming you're trying to get me. I have seen Titanic, for oh, the good. record. That's I mean, I was assuming you had so that's a good thing to hear. But, that's you know. not a blind spot. I mean, it's, like, only the second Although biggest movie ever, third like biggest movie ever. I your life would be unchanged if you hadn't seen it, just throwing that out there as well, but... Uh, I'm not like the biggest fan. I, I don't have anything against it. Like people who like Titanic, I'm not going to like argue, but it's, it's fine. It's a perfectly you know adequate movie. You don't have a poster of Leo on your wall? Come on. I, I do not. Uh, sad <laughs> to say. Uh, D-Bro, D- what do you think about Brees Hall right now? Yeah, mid to low end RB2. Um, and the only reason, like uh, just to echo what Pat said, the only reason that you have any hope for him is the pass game because the rushing hadn't been there, man. Like he has a rush for over, what is it, 50 or 60 yards since the, the blow up game against Denver, which is looking like, more the outlier than what we should expect from Brees Hall. And that's not really a Brees Hall thing. The offensive line is terrible. Quarterback play has been terrible. I don't care if Aaron Rodgers comes back this year. I'm sorry, Jets fans, but you're probably not making the playoffs. So good luck with that. And Aaron Rodgers is probably not going to be playing if they don't have a chance at the playoffs. So eh, Brees Hall, it's just, it's volume. And you're hoping that he scores or gets like a long reception. That's about it. Yeah, I considered making the key question here, uh, asking you guys to do some research on just the medical miracle that is Aaron Rodgers' Achilles coming back in the same season. Yeah, but dolphin uh, I sounds. To, I hear dolphin yeah. sounds help. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I opted to not uh, make you go through that. I do have a second question on this one. Bijan Robinson had his best fantasy game of the season in Week 12 against the Saints. Where are you ranking him this week against the Jets? And is there still a chance he emerges as this elite league winning running back that we kind of expected when people were drafting him as a top six player in August? Debra, I'll start with you. I've got him at RB seven. And depending on depending on the health and the practice reports about Travis Etienne, I can bump him all the way up to RB five. I feel fine with Bijan Robinson. I mean, over the last two weeks, he's had uh, 69% of the snaps. He's been rolling up 20 plus touches and I mean this is just comes down to the fact that even even Arthur Smith can't screw this up just play your best players play him in the red zone let him score touchdowns let him be special so it's nice to see Arthur Smith getting out of his own damn way yeah Robinson is RB3 in rest of season you know consensus rankings but he has not played to that level in any week except for week 12 this season so Fitz like looking ahead do we think that Arthur Smith is finally kind of coming around and that he could be a real league winner here in December? Oh, man. Like, he could absolutely be an elite running back down the stretch if Arthur Smith does continue to feed him. He's had 38 carries over the last two weeks, so maybe Arthur Smith has learned his lesson. Probably probably not, but uh, we can always hope. So, yeah, and the Jets this week, I'm, I'm with you, bro, in lockstep with him, RB7. Uh, the Jets, really good defense, but they've not been that great against running backs. Uh, they've given up the sixth most fantasy points to running backs, and... um so, yeah, I mean, could be a good week for Bijan, and I, I do like Bijan's outlook down the stretch. I have been RB2, by the way, for rest of season ranks. They're just you look, at, you look at all the different parts, like whether it's the schedule, his workload. Also, now we're at the part of the season when we can throw in the fact of his limited workload in the middle of the season. So if they do start to lean on him even more, it's not like he rolled up a ton of volume at the beginning of the year, and we're worried about him maybe hitting a wall or something. So... I mean, I think it's C&C and him for the top guys because everybody else is just I mean, they're kind of falling off, man. Like even ETN, he has to, he's had his snaps cut in recent weeks. 
I'm I'm really hoping we see the catch totals look more like they did in week 12 than the previous two weeks to, to start the year. Receptions, six, four, four, five, two, five. That's through the first six weeks. Then the next several weeks, mm-hmm. zero, zero, two, one. Last week he had three. So I'm hoping that the three is sort of trending back in the right direction. He in should terms be the, of the wide receiver two game. on that team. Like behind Drake London, he should be the number two guy in the pecking order. Should be. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how it finishes, but he certainly has the ability. I do have a player prop here. These are odds from DraftKings Sportsbook. You can find these odds, compare them to any books you want on bettingpros.com. We got a prop bet cheat sheet, all that great stuff. Bijan Robinson over under just 58 and a half rushing yards then also Brees Hall over under 54 and a half rushing yards which side do we like better for these guys Fitz 58 and a half for Bijan 54 and a half for Brees do you like either of those bets I feel best about the over for Bijan in that one Debra yeah lock in the over for Bijan I'm not touching the the line for Hall because agreed He could easily break off a long run on any one of the carries, and Atlanta's been very stingy on allowing rushing touchdowns, but they have allowed rushing production on the ground, so I'm not touching the hall line, but give me the slam over for the Bichon rushing yards. Our multi-league assistant makes juggling multiple leagues easier than ever. Head to fantasypros.com slash myplaybook to get expert advice for all your teams in one spot so you can dominate each league every single week. Guys, let's go to Cardinals at Steelers. Key question here, Debro, starting with you. What was your biggest takeaway from the first Steelers game post-Matt Canada? How will this new offense look against a team like the Cardinals? It's amazing what happens when you get a suboptimal play caller out of the building. It's absolutely amazing. A quarterback starts playing like, oh, maybe what we thought he could have played like the entire year. And and I, I it's, it's insane for me to say, to come on this show and say that I'm pro Kenny Pickett, but... What we saw out of him last week is very eye-opening, guys. For a quarterback that has struggled, for a team that has been trying to hide him over the last few weeks by running the ball, not letting him throw it, Kenny Pickett last week quietly had a freaking game, man. Amongst 30 quarterbacks, he was sixth in yards per attempt. He was a ninth in pass rating. And, okay, those might get skewed. But you look at the other deeper metrics— He played really freaking well, man. He was 11th in dot and 2nd in highly accurate throw rate. Like, this was a big turnaround for a quarterback that, like, when we saw him in the preseason, we're like, okay, maybe maybe he takes a leap. Maybe this offense takes a leap. Who knows? And then, nothing. Everything just looks terrible. It's all horrible for the entire season. And then they changed the O.C., And all of those preseason vibes kind of flood back in, man. So Kenny Pickett, he's flirting with top 12 this week for me. I'm not saying that I've got him inside of the top 12, but top 15, he will absolutely be. And people can point to the great rushing matchup for Arizona and stuff like that. Yes, it is. It is just as good of a matchup for Kenny Pickett in this passing game. So if there was ever a spot where Mike Tomlin and these coaches said, you know what? For us to really go the distance, for us to really make some noise, we have to get Kenny Pickett going. We have to get our young quarterback playing with confidence. If there was ever a freaking week for that to happen, it's this week, boys. So, Fitz, clearly Debro is the world's biggest Kenny Pickett fan. He's probably got a poster <laughs> of him up on his wall. Are oh, you the second me, I do. Fan. It's over there. 
Uh, how do you feel about this offense going forward, Fitz? Are you also uh, buying the Kenny Pickett Kool-Aid, drinking the Kenny Pickett Kool-Aid? You know, um, it, not necessarily. I, I still think he was uh, like kind of a reach in the first round as a guy who was uh, didn't really produce until his fifth year in college. Um, but I do like that the Steelers were more aggressive with their passing game last week, which was one of the big complaints about Matt Canada, that the, the passing game lacked verticality. And uh, last week, Kenny Pickett averaged 8.5 air yards per pass attempt, uh, one of his higher figures in any game this year. And when the Bengals gave the Steelers a, a two-deep safety look, we saw him hit Pat Fryermuth uh, down the seam a couple of times for some really big games, which was nice. Fryermuth returning obviously helped, had a team-high 120 receiving yards. Um, and one of the things that was interesting, and, and shout out to the Steelers beat writer for The Athletic, whose name I'm forgetting, unfortunately, at the moment, um, the Steelers used three tight ends on 14 offensive snaps, which was kind of an interesting wrinkle for them last week. Um, so this doesn't have to be a zero-sum thing. Like Kenny Pickett's increased productivity as a passer doesn't necessarily have to end the party in the running game. And it has been a party for the Steelers. They've averaged 174 rushing yards over their last four games after averaging 79.7 rushing yards over their first seven games. Basically, they've more than doubled their rushing output lately. So, um, yeah, I mean, like the Steelers offense, which was just so depressing earlier in the season, is now actually uh, something they get excited about. And with the Cardinals defense coming into Pittsburgh, which is bad against both the run and the pass, uh, this could be a serious fiesta for the Pittsburgh offense. Well, Fitzy, uh, do you know since week eight who runs the second highest rate of uh, too high in the NFL? Arizona Cardinals, oh, baby. Oh, boy. Look out. It's going to be good. Maybe you, uh, another big Pat Fryermuth game coming. Uh-huh. Deontay and Patty, let's go. Speaking of, that is the perfect opportunity to talk about this year's Fantasy Over Under Challenge presented by Betting Pros. Each week, the guys will be making Over Under picks for 10 different players for how many fantasy points we expect them to score. Submit your picks at fantasypros.com slash challenge to play along with the guys so you don't miss out on the chance to win awesome prizes. One of this week's players is Pat Fryermuth himself, coming off a fantastic game in Week 12, of course. He finishes tight end two on the week. His line this week is set at eight fantasy points against the Cardinals. Only eight, guys. Do we think he goes over again? I know Debro does. Yeah, it goes over. And this all goes back to the too high stuff. Um, even outside of last week, uh, and those numbers were massive against too high, if you look at the entirety of the season for Patty Fry, against too high, 16% target share, 1.9 yards per route run. Yep, Fry is going to do it again this week. Do you, do you also have a Friar Ruth poster up on your wall next to the Kenny Pickett uh, I've got one? a bobblehead. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Uh, Fitz, Pat Friar with eight fantasy points. That's all he needs. He's going over, right? Yeah, D-Bro, we cheer for your other Big Ten teams. We're not supposed to like the Penn State guys, but uh, we got to give it up to <laughs> Pat Fryermuth here. D-Bro laid it out. It's a, a really nice setup for him this week. Let's over. move to our next game. Colts at the Titans. True or false? Zach Moss is a top 10 running back every week. Jonathan Taylor is out. Fitz, what do you think? Well, I guess I have to go false because I don't have him in the top 10 this week. Uh, he's my RB12. A tough matchup against the Titans, even though Moss did have 165 rushing yards and two touchdowns against them in week five. But the Titans are a good run defense. So he's, he's just barely out of my top 10 this week. All right, Debra, Zach Moss, ECA top 10 running back every week that Jonathan Taylor is out. 
I think so, Worm. I think that he he's a guy that, regardless of how he gets there, whether it's the checkdowns, the rushing volume, all these things, he's going to flirt with 20 to 25 touches every single week. I think he's a top 10 back going forward as long as Jonathan Taylor is out. We do have a poll on a recent Spotify episode. If you want to go subscribe to that uh, Fantasy Pros channel on Spotify. Zach Moss was the RB4 in fantasy from weeks two to six. He's currently, I believe, RB12 for this week. That's been going up the last couple of days, obviously. How productive will Moss be while Taylor is out? The options are RB1 to 6, RB7 to 12, RB13 to 18, RB19 to 24, and RB25 or up. So based on what you guys are saying, am I right to expect RB7 to 12 or RB13 to 18? Is that about right, Debra? I'm in the camp of top 10. I kind of lean more towards the RB1 to RB6 range. Okay, so even more aggressive there than Fitz. What do you mm. think? Mm-hmm. Seven to twelve, I think, but it would not surprise me if he snuck into that one to six range. Well, the results so far, going back a couple of days, RB one to six got twenty percent of the vote. RB seven to twelve got fifty two percent of the vote. The obvious majority. Thirteen to eighteen got twenty one percent of the vote, and then three and two percent for the lower ones. So most people are expecting in that one to eighteen range, with the majority of those being in the seven to twelve range you can go vote in that poll if you want to get your own opinion shared again that's on spotify i've got a second question on this game guys just a general let's check in on will levis he's five games into his career now there's a lot of talk about him after those first couple of games i feel like he has not really gotten discussed so much in the last few games as he kind of fell off from that you know four touchdown great amazing performance early on debra what do we think so far about will levis I think Will Levis has been exactly what I thought he'd be in the NFL. Very inaccurate and very suspect. Outside of the Atlanta game where we had corners stopping their routes, looking for flags, DeAndre Hopkins spiking touchdowns because of that. It was all a flute game, man. It was an outlier game. We came on this show and I talked about it at that point. But ever since then, people want to talk about like, okay, well, the, the Tennessee offensive line has not looked great. Okay, that that's fine. The other thing we need to talk about is the fact that Will Levis has looked like a struggle bus quarterback. Like I wrote this up as a prospect for him, but I said, look for him to get to the level of NFL quarterback, the play to play consistency has to go up. That's not even NFL level standard right now. He'll look good and, and lace a dime on one throw. And then the next five throws are absolutely just airmailed and all over the place. And the numbers bear it out too, man. Like since week nine amongst 35 quarterbacks, He's 23rd in CPOE, he's tw- he's 33rd, and this is out of 35 quarterbacks, 33rd in adjusted completion rate and catchable target rate. So it's not even like, okay, the offensive line's a problem. Will Levis has been a problem. Fitz, checking in, like I said, on Will Levis, just five games, and no specific question, but God, what do you think about him so far? Yeah, so I'm going to be a little kinder than Debro is. I mean, yeah, in the four games since Atlanta, he's only completing 58.5% of his passes, averaging about 200 yards a game, 6.5 yards per attempt. Those are pretty mediocre numbers. But on the bright side, like he's kind of limited the mistakes. He's only thrown two interceptions in five games. He's not taking a ridiculous number of sacks. And, hey, the kid has one good pass catcher to throw to. DeAndre Hopkins, that is it. So I I think we should still be a little bit optimistic about him. Um, It's kind of opposite of what the book was on Will Levis coming out. Like, I thought he was going to be, like, really boomer bust, uh, a lot of mistakes, some, you know, really high-risk throws. It hasn't really been like that. I mean, he's almost trying to 
get himself into game manager mode. But um, right now he's just strapped. I mean, hopefully the Titans draft or sign some wide receivers for this guy next year because he's going to need them. If you need new tires for your car, Discount Tire is your go-to. They have exceptional service, and you get a 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online at DiscountTire.com. They have this really cool feature called Treadwell, which is an online tire buying guide that gives you transparency on tire performance, as well as personalized recommendations based on your location and driving habits. Discount Tire is also the largest independent tire retailer in the country, so it has the biggest selection of tires and wheels. Here's a pro tip from the experts at Discount Tire. You can prevent wear and boost gas mileage by keeping your tires properly inflated. Tire pressure supports the weight of your vehicle and is important to check for safety. So if it's been over a month since you last checked your tire pressure, stop by one of their local stores for a free tire safety and air pressure check discount tire. Let's get you taken care of. Guys, let's go to Dolphins at Commanders. ECR ranks the Commanders wide receivers this week as Terry McLaurin, then Curtis Samuel, then Jahan Dotson. Fitz, is that the right order for those three? Yes, I think it is. And everyone got excited about Jahan Dotson when he had a combined 12 catches for 177 yards and two touchdowns in weeks eight and nine. But now it appears that that was directly related to the absence of Curtis Samuel uh, in week eight. The first of those good games for Dotson, Samuel had left with a toe injury after just 14 snaps. And then in week nine, Samuel was out. Dotson had four catches, 69 yards and a touchdown against the Patriots. Samuel was back in week 10, and in the three games since his return, Dotson has averaged four targets a game, not catches, targets, and yeah. 25 receiving yards. Um, and, and by the way, like Terry McLaurin is, I think, wide receiver 18 in ECR this week, and I, I have no idea I, why he's that high. Like no, He's averaging 57 yards <laughs> a game this season, hasn't gone over 90 yards all year, and he scored two touchdowns. I've got him wide receiver 28. Where do, where do you have him, Debro? I've got him even lower than that, Fitz, and to to steal some of the thunder, and Worm set this up perfectly for me. Like, I, I, dude, I've got Curtis Samuel as my highest ranked Commanders wide receiver. I've got Terry McLaurin at wide receiver thirty three, um, and this is a terrible matchup for Terry McLaurin. Like, the strength of this Miami secondary has been their outside corners. Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey have been shutting dudes down. Yep. So, I'll be burying McLaurin and Dotson in ranks this week. I mean. I probably will move McLaurin down a little bit farther after we get uh, some more news, but wide receiver three, like that's what he's been all year. And I don't even know if he could be that this week. Cause those guys have been amazing, but I'm, I'm going to go back to Curtis Samuel real fast. What he did last week. And I know he had an amazing stat line that could happen this week. And I know it sounds a little bit hyperbolic, but he was wide receiver 17. I'm not ranking him as that, but I do have him at wide receiver 29 this week. And I think that he could be, he could walk into another week where he's a wide receiver too. And the way that this happens is one, we know that the commanders are going to throw the ball. They've been doing it all year. They're going to continue to do it. Lock in the Sam Howell over for passing attempts this week. He's been crushing that number. The man is going to throw the ball 40 to 45 times. That's going to happen. So if we know the volume is going to be there, where's the volume going to go? Okay, well, it's not Dotson. Pat set that up perfectly. McLaurin's got a horrible matchup. You look at Curtis Samuel in this game against the Miami slot corner. He's allowing a 129 pass rating in his coverage. He's the only weak spot in this secondary outside of Sam Howe targeting uh, tight ends, which Miami's not been a good uh, against tight ends. So, yeah, Curtis Samuel. Wide receiver three this week for me, and I think he's got wide receiver two upside. And that might sound crazy to people, but 
I'll point you right back to what he did versus Dallas in a similar matchup. Yeah, I, I knew that you were high on Samuel, which was one reason why I wanted to ask about the entire wide receiver room. But the other reason I wanted to ask this question is that I just kept waiting for McLaurin to drop in ECR this week, and he never did. He's still at wide receiver 18. Fitz, how many games this season in half PPR, and he hasn't had his bye week yet, so he's played 12 games. How many times in those 12 games do you think he's finished wide receiver 18 or higher? Oh, man, like one? One. It was week one. eight against the yeah. Eagles. He I was going to two. Five for 63 with a touchdown. It, he finished wide receiver 15. That's his best finish on the season. Every other game, he has been wide receiver 20 or worse. I don't understand this ranking. I love the player. I love the talent. But every single week, he catches between four and six balls. He gets like between 40 and 60 yards. And he doesn't score a touchdown outside of he's done it twice this year. I, I, I Again, I love McLaurin, but I just don't get this ranking uh, at, at all. I don't get it, man. And, and the other part about this, and I'll, I'll I'll rant about this for a good five seconds right now, okay? But we need to also understand with weekly rankings, because people give pushback, we give questions and stuff like that, and they're like, how do you have McLaurin ranked as a wide receiver three or wide receiver four? Or this player ranked as a wide receiver three or wide receiver four? This guy is a two. He hasn't done that. Blah, 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 blah. Does anybody go back and look at these game logs and look at the finishes? You don't just rank guys as wide receiver twos weekly, like just without fail. Like if you go look at their game logs, like you just brought up worm. Have, have any of these guys do, do they consistently, how many wide receivers consistently produce as wide receiver two every single freaking week? So if you see variance in some guys, yes, they're wide receiver threes or a four versus a two in some weeks. Well, go look at their game logs. Look at every single wide receiver game log for the entire season. And you see this roller coaster every single year, every single player, every single week. So to say we're going to blindly rank this player as a wide receiver two or three every single week without fail is bad process. Uh, very, very quickly, guys, just a second you know, follow-up question here. If Devon Achan plays, do we have any concern about starting him, given what has been a lingering injury concern and the fact that there's a potential for a blowout in this game, which means the Dolphins might be inclined to keep him off the field? Fitz, any concern at all? Or are we just starting him if he plays? Yeah, none whatsoever. I mean, we've seen what this dude can do. He can make his fantasy quota with just a handful of touches uh, yeah. and going against a, a pretty depleted Washington defense unless you are absolutely flush with running backs and can start a pair of top 15 guys and have something really good to put in your flex unless you're set up that well you're starting a chain yeah Debra starting him without concern right oh absolutely man and just like what fits the only thing we need to talk about is 10 touches for a chan could equal 120 rushing yards in any yeah. single week so yeah you're starting him at your flex with upside Let's move on to a really intriguing game, Broncos at Texans. I mentioned this earlier. I'm excited to watch this one. C.J. Stroud has done a great job of avoiding turnovers this season for the most part, while the Denver defense recently as part of this resurgence has done a great job of creating turnovers. So which side of that do you guys think is going to prevail, Debra? I think it's Stroud. I'm just going to continue to bet on Stroud. And this is no shade of the Denver defense. They're playing extremely well, and there's big concerns for a lot of their players, but how many weeks in a row do we have to see that CJ Stroud is the truth to truly, truly believe it? I don't care about matchups. He's that damn good. And the offensive system has been awesome for him. So I'm betting on Stroud. Fitz? I'm inclined to bet on Stroud too, but uh, worm turnovers are the most unpredictable element in football. Mm -hmm. I might be able to confidently predict that, oh, 
Desmond Ritter or Tim Boyle are going to commit turnovers, <laughs> but uh, I can't tell you with any confidence whether or not C.J. Stroud is going to throw an interception <laughs> or cough up a fumble this week. I do have a second question here. Tank Dell has been limited in practice this week. As of the time we're recording, I don't believe there's been anything official uh, you know, on his game status for Sunday. Do we like any other Texans pass catchers in this one with Tank Dell, even if he plays being you know, somewhat limited, Debro? Uh, the one that stands out to me is with the Dalton Schultz news. Dalton Schultz has not practiced at the point that we're recording this right now. He has not practiced at all this week. I do not think that he plays. This brings Brevin Jordan into the streaming radar. And I know it sounds like I'm just going with a deep poll here, but when we're talking about, okay, Nico Collins could get shadowed by Patrick Sertan. This defense has been better. The one pressure point of this freaking defense without fail has been against tight ends. They're allowing the most fantasy points per game, the most receiving yards per game to tight ends. So Brevin Jordan, if Schultz is out, he's going to be a top 15 tight end for me this week. Fitz, is there anybody beyond Dell that intrigues you given the injury situation? Oh, I'll still play Nico, even though he's going to see a lot of Sertan. He's also going to see some of Fabian Moreau, too. So, um, like, Nico is averaging 16 yards a catch and 11 yards per target. He has been an efficiency monster this year, and he's he's so good at the catch point, so good after the catch. I mean, he is just a beast with the ball in his hands. So, yeah, like, I'm playing Nico. Like, I, I still think he's a high-end wide receiver, too. I've got a player prop here as well. Again, you can find these on bettingpros.com. Cortland Sutton, plus 750 to be the first touchdown scorer. He's also got an over-under of four and a half receptions. Again, that's plus 750 first touchdown scorer, over-under of four and a half receptions. Fits either of those strike your fancy? (sighs) Not really. I I don't want to touch that catches prop just because like the the passing volume really hasn't been there for Denver like they're typically around 30 pass attempts a game and so four and a half seems a little high even for their number one receiver uh plus 750 I I don't really play that many TD props but that seems like a a reasonably attractive number Debra what do you think uh, I'll take the anytime touchdown for Cortland Sutton just because his end zone targets have been through the roof um the line for the receptions feels pretty spot on. I'd much rather play the over for his receiving yards if we're going to throw any other props out there. Guys, we have made it to December, which is such a fun sports month. We've got football teams making late season playoff pushes, college football bowl games, plenty of hockey and basketball every single day. The Big Ten basketball schedule starts tonight with Maryland going to Indiana. Uh, that's going to be a really ugly game. Neither team can shoot. Try picturing yourself at a game. The atmosphere, the excitement, the memories. Why just watch when you can be there live? The best way to get tickets to any of these games this month is on Game Time, the official ticketing app of Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football. Fits. if I took 49ers Eagles off the board because it's too easy, which other Week 13 game would you want to be at most? And no, you cannot say Wisconsin Marquette. No, uh, <laughs> let's let's go with the Texans and Broncos because of the massive playoff implications here. These are two teams on the cusp of uh, the, the playoffs right now. Like this is going to be a huge factor in determining who gets in. I know that I think the Colts are maybe ahead of both of them. Uh, they're yeah. all sitting at like six and five or whatever. Yeah. But like what a what a comeback for the Broncos after starting one and five. And, uh, you know, everyone wants the Texans in the playoffs. They're so much fun. So this is, it's going to be a fascinating game. 
Well, you, you, you stole mine. You know, Texans Broncos was going to be my pick as well, partly because of the playoff implications, partly because it's just fun to watch CJ Stroud play football. Uh, I thought you were going to go with Chiefs Packers, just given that it's the Packers, you know, in a primetime game chance to get a, a big upset. Debra, who would you pick again? I'm taking 49ers Eagles off the board because that would be everybody's choice. I mean, I, if Fitz isn't going to take Chiefs and Packers, I yeah. will. I mean, look, I, I've been. <laughs> And I, and I can't wait for us to get to talk about that game because, look, I have been very vocal about how I have not been a fan of Jordan Love. He has played really damn good football over the last three to four games. So giving him his flowers, I want to see this game. I want to see what the Packers do up against the Chiefs defense in a game where, look, if the Packers win this game, they're staring at six and six. Like, they, they have realistic playoff implications, and this is a true litmus test for Jordan love. Like if he plays well versus this defense, we really need to start giving this kid some more praise. Yeah. By the way, have you guys ever been to a December night game in Lambeau field? See, I, I, I like having feeling in my toes. That's something I kind of <laughs> cherish. So if, if you're going to put me in a box yeah. with free beer and appetizers and everything, yeah, then I'm all for it. It's but overrated. I mean, uh, how many toes do you need these days? Fitz, come on. That's fair. The, the coldest game I ever went to was when the Ravens got upset at home in the playoffs to the Titans. Thankfully, I was working in the game at the time, so I was in the press box. But just walking into the stadium, like I, I it was absolutely frigid. I can't even imagine how much worse it would be in Wisconsin as opposed to just Maryland. Uh, as luck would have it, guys, I'm on the Game Time app right now, and all of these games are available. So is Wisconsin Marquette. If you want to go to that one, fits. It even shows me what the cheapest cheapest options are. And check this out. I can see the view from the seats right away without having to click through a bunch of times to understand what I'm paying for. For last-minute amazing deals on tickets to see your favorite team, download Game Time. Download the Game Time app and redeem code FANTASYPROS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, download the Game Time app and enter code FANTASYPROS, all one word, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Fellas, let's move to the late afternoon slate here. Panthers at Bucks, gross. Key question. Any curiosity in the Panthers' offense as a potential post-coach firing bump scenario, Fitz? Here's what I'm curious about. What the Carolina backfield split looks like. Because interim head coach Chris Tabor made the decision to fire running backs coach Deuce Staley. And when Staley was the running backs coach in Detroit, DeAndre Swift got buried uh, in that offense. And now Swift is the starting running back for the 10 and one Eagles this year, Miles Sanders signed a big money contract and uh, basically kicked to the curb by Deuce Staley in favor of Chuba Hubbard. Now that Staley is gone, will Miles Sanders get a more prominent role? Um, that's why I don't have that big a gap in my rankings this week between Hubbard and, and Sanders. I, I just don't know how this is going to shake out. And I don't think we can count on the same usage going forward with Hubba being the, uh, excuse me, Hubbard being the clear number one. Debra, what do you make of this offense going into this week with the coaching changes? I don't have any faith in this offense. I've been out on this offense for weeks, man. Like, it's just, they're like, oh, who's calling plays? Oh, like, it matters. I'm like, the personnel's still not great. The quarterback play's still not great. The offensive line's still not great. The running backs don't break tackles. Like, I don't have much faith at all in this offense. Um, I do think that Adam Thielen, just considering the matchup, can have a backup, uh, bounce back game. Um, excuse me, but like, I do, I will echo Fitz's points, and I wrote this up in the primer too. It's like 
I have no clue what to make out of this backfield. Like you could play this both of one ways. I mean, both of two ways, like looking at how Fitz just talked about it, but also with the, the idea that Sanders, I think ended up in Carolina because he was Staley's dude, like going back to Philly and things like that, like that, that was his guy. So could we see more Chuba Hubbard now? I don't know, man. Like this backfield is really in flux and I'm with Fitz. Like my ranks for both those running backs are not going to be far apart because Will I be surprised if Sanders gets an 80% snap share? Nope. Will I be surprised if Chuba Hubbard gets an 80% snap share this week? Nope. And have no clue what the usage is going to be like. Let's go to another betting pros over under challenge here with Adam Thielen coming off an absolutely dreadful game last week. His line this week is set at 11 fantasy points against the Buccaneers. What do we think, Debra? I'll take the over only because the Buccaneers secondary has been that bad. And I think the fall off last week versus Tennessee is yes, their past defense is not good, but we also need to understand the caveat. Roger McCreary is their best cornerback, like easily Christian Fulton and, and Sean Murphy bunting are where they've been struggling on the perimeter. That's not where Thielen plays. So him having a down week versus Tennessee kind of see that coming versus the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think we get the bounce back because they have been atrocious versus slot receivers this season. Fits 11 fantasy points for Adam Thielen over or under. Yeah, not wildly confident, but I'll go over too. I mean, Thielen's really only had a couple of clunker games. They've been major mm-hmm. clunkers, but for the most part, he's been pretty productive. So, um, and the matchups as Debro laid out do seem pretty promising. I think I'm going to take the under on that one. Although I, I think it's a pretty good line. I don't, I don't feel particularly strong mm-hmm. about which direction. But I'm going to go under on 11. Uh, next game, Browns at Rams. Which Browns are we willing to start? in a Joe Flacco game, if it is, in fact, Joe Flacco, which it looks like it will be. Fitz, I mean, you know you know, I love Joe Flacco for everything he did for the Ravens, but are we starting any Browns if he's behind, uh, you know, under center? Well, I was... I was going to say, Ryan, I got to I got to turn the tables on you and ask you a question. Is it is it going to pain you to see Joe Flacco suit up for another AFC North team? It's a really good question. I've been thinking a lot about it, and I'm going to actually say no. I mean, (laughs) Flacco did so much for us. And like the fact that the Ravens have an elite quarterback that they replaced him with makes it a lot easier that he's no longer in my life. So like he, he, he almost single handedly won a Super Bowl. He was unreal in that Super Bowl run. He brought a ring to Baltimore. He, we have another quarterback that's pretty good. I shouldn't say we, but the Ravens have another quarterback that's pretty good. Like I love Joe Flacco, but it like it's time he, he can move on and I'm not going to be upset about it, even in the division. Fair. Very fair. Uh, Back to your original question. Jerome Ford, Amari Cooper, David Njoku. I don't think you're feeling wildly confident about any of them, but in a 16 bye week, they're all playable. Debro, what do you think about this offense with Flacco? Man, I I, I really need to to double check the Kool-Aid. I'm I'm higher on Flacco than I think consensus is this week. I think maybe anybody. I, I look this matchup versus the Rams. They are now a pass funnel defense. You can't run the ball very well versus them. And the other thing about it that I think people were kind of missing here is that Cleveland allowed DTR to just sit back and chuck it, man. Like he was, he had a 60% neutral passing rate whenever he was under center. He would have hit his over for passing attempts last week if it wasn't for the concussion. So Cleveland's had no qualms about letting people throw the ball. So if you're going to tell me they're going to let PJ Walker chuck it, they're going to let DTR chuck it. Both of those options are not as good as Joe Flacco. And I understand like, okay, we've seen with Joe Flacco, but we've also seen Joe Flacco. I'm old enough to remember when Joe Flacco in 2022 went out and tossed four touchdowns, you know? So 
I'm not saying that Joe Flacco is great. Do, do not get this twisted. But I'm not downgrading their weapons. Amari Cooper has a good matchup versus the outside corner of the Rams. Elijah Moore has a very good matchup versus the the slot corner versus the, the Rams. I mean, the Rams since week seven have allowed the seventh highest PPR points per target to slot wide receivers. And David Njoku has been a lock for eight to nine plus targets. And look at that. The Rams come to town and they give up everything versus tight ends. So the matchup's pretty good, man. Like, I I, I don't want to say that I'm really extremely high on Flacco, but if he were to go out and throw, like, 270 and two, two scores, I'm not going to be surprised at all. How many wins would the Jets have if they still had Joe Flacco quarterback instead of Zach Wilson? They'd be, a play, they'd be in the hunt for the playoffs. Uh, straight up. I, they, I they'd agree. be in the hunt for the playoffs. Like, I, I think it's an immense tragedy what the Jets have done with their entire quarterbacking situation. Like, not going and, and the other thing about it, and just to throw this out there, why in the absolute hell have we still not seen Trevor Simeon? We've seen iterations of Trevor Simeon as a competent game manager quarterback. Tell me he could not play at the same level, if not better, than Zach Wilson or freaking Tim Boyle have the entire season, guys. Why? Fitz, I want to go quickly on this second question because we're all starting him regardless, but I know the matchup is tough for Kyron Williams, and RB6 isn't a bad ranking in ECR, but it almost feels a little too low. In the weeks he's been healthy this season, he has been a top five running back more often than he hasn't been. So is RB6 a little too low, or is there a reason for that, just given the matchup, I guess? I do think it's too low. I think he should be top five. Um, To me, it's a a pretty clear top five. Like I think it should be McCaffrey, Travis Etienne, Alvin Kamara, Tony Pollard, who's already played, and then Kyron Williams at RB5. So there's someone in the ECR top five who doesn't belong, and uh, it's Austin Eckler. Like, I have no idea why Eckler is still being ranked as high as he is, but, you know, that's a complaint for a different game. Um, Yeah, even with the tough matchup, and uh, just it's the near-ideal usage for Kyron Williams that makes him a top five. Yeah, Debro, just quickly, where do you have Kyron ranked this week? All right, I'm, I'm going to double down on all of this. I have Kyron Williams at RB2. The only player that I have above him right now is wow. CMC. And I'll push back on the tough matchup. Um, the Browns, nobody understands that the Browns have been a really bad run defense. They have. Since week seven, ninth highest missed tackles per attempt. Since week seven, third highest yards after contact per attempt. I mean, what what else do I need to say? They're bottom five in tackle breaking metrics. Kyron Williams ran all over the freaking Cardinals. He's going to run all over the freaking Browns. And unless the Rams get into where this is a blowout game, the other thing that if people want to bring up over the snap count for Kyron Williams last week, yeah, I I know he played 61% of the snaps. That's because they absolutely beat the pants off the freaking Cardinals. In the first half of that game, 77% of snaps. So if the Browns can offer pushback, and I told you that I'm a little bit high on Joe Flacco this week, and if they can push back, Kyron Williams is going to play 75 to 80% of the snaps. He's discount CMC this week. Kyron Williams has played seven games this season. He has multiple touchdowns in four of them. He has been a yep. top wow. seven finisher in five yep. of them at the position. It's really like the the injury is going to put a damper on like a truly historic fantasy season here from Williams. Uh, I've got a quick betting pros player prop here as well. Puka Nakua, who we haven't talked about in a while, 
plus 190 anytime touchdown scorer, and 54 and a half is the over under for his receiving yards. Again, plus 190 anytime touchdown, 54 and a half receiving yards over under. Debra, what do you like there, if anything? Nothing. Um, to, and this is sad for me to say, but this just comes down to I don't think the Rams have to throw the ball to win this game. Um, and if they do, all they have to do is just be efficient with it. Like I've got Puka ranked as the highest Rams wide receiver. I've got him in wide receiver two territory, but I think the wide receiver, the yardage line right there is very, very spot on. I don't want to play the touchdown stuff because when Kyron has been healthy, the Rams are a top three red zone rushing rate team. So they get inside the five, inside the 10, the touchdowns are going to Kyron and probably not the passing game. Fitz plus 190 anytime touchdown for Puka. Over under 54 and a half receiving yards. Not taken either. I'm with Debra on this. Like I, I find it really hard to sort out the Rams running back or the Rams receivers this week. So and as Debro said, could be a run heavy game plan. For those who have stuck around this whole show, thank you because we are getting into we will reward you here. The biggest matchup of the week. 49ers at Eagles. Fun, awesome matchup. We're starting pretty much everybody in this game, so I want you guys to just take this chance to highlight one player whose matchup you love the most. Fitz, I'll start with you. Uh, it's got to be Brandon Ayuk. Uh, look at all the receivers Ooh. who have eaten against the Eagles lately. Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis last week. Uh, CeeDee Lamb hung 191 yards on them a few weeks ago. Jahan Dotson, mentioned earlier, had his only 100-yard game of the season against the Eagles. Tyreek Hill, of course. I think Ayuk is going to go to town this week. Maybe Debo Samuel, too, although he's um, not really a conventional wide receiver. But, like, Ayuk is, and uh, he's going to smash this week. Debo, which matchup are you, uh, you know, mouth-watering about? A.J. Brown. Uh, we've seen some down games from him. He's going to play like a god this week. Uh, he, AJ Brown versus single high has been, I mean, it's been, it's been beautiful all year. And the thing that I want to throw out with, with the single high usage is with Hafunga being out, they have gone from two high to single high last week, uh, San Francisco, uh, 62% of the defensive snaps were in single high. A.J. Brown against single high, he's third amongst all wide receivers in fantasy points per route run. He is going to crush the 49ers. I've got a second question here, and it's just who wins the game? The 49ers on DraftKings Sportsbook are favored on the road by three points here. So Fitz, which way are you betting this game? Who do you think comes away with the W? I took the Eagles on the money line already, mm -hmm. and even if I weren't getting plus money, I think I would take the Eagles. I mean, did everyone forget that the 49ers <laughs> had a three-game losing streak not very long ago? Look, I know when the 49ers are on, they can land maybe the heaviest punch of any team in the NFL, but the Eagles are very capable of outboxing the 49ers. Debra? Yeah. <laughs> Books gave me uh, Eagles at plus money. I bet that was one of the first bets I made of the week was to bet the Eagles money line. So I'm staying with the Eagles, baby. I I've said it before. I'll say it again. Jalen Hurts has been him, is him, and will continue to be him. The, the total's 48. Do we like over under on that really quick? Over. Give me over. Over. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Over. Let's hit one last betting pros over under challenge here with MVP favorite Jalen Hurts. His line this week is all the way up at 22 fantasy points. Do we think he goes over or under that against San Francisco, D-Bro? Over. Easy over. Fitz? I think you have to go over, too, on this. 
I'll make it a clean sweep and go over as well. That game is going to be so, so awesome. I will watch, I probably won't even watch Red Zone. I have no interest in seeing Panthers Bucks pop up on my screen. I'm just going to watch 49ers (laughs) Eagles. They don't score any touchdowns. That's fine. They won't be on Red Zone. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, Let's go to Sunday Night Football Chiefs at Packers. Also a very interesting game. Rasheed Rice had his first career 100-yard receiving game last week. Has he finally, finally established himself officially atop this wide receiver depth chart, D-Bro? The cat's out the bag, baby. Finally, the Kansas City Chiefs can do it no longer. They cannot bury Rasheed Rice into the doldrums of the Kadarius Tonys and the MBSs of the world. They finally committed to this guy. He got over a 60% route run rate. Yeah, man, Rasheed Rice, uh, he could be one of the stretch run difference makers right now. It's It's going to happen. Fitz, how aggressively are you going to be ranking Rice going forward? Yeah, I mean, maybe not that aggressively. Like, I I don't know if he's their true number one receiver. Like, I don't think he's a true number one receiver because of the way he's used. His average depth of target is 4.9 yards. And basically, Andy Reid is setting up a bunch of wide receiver screens for Rice, getting him the ball quickly, trying to let him work his magic after the catch. He's kind of a, a Debo Samuel, Chris Godwin mashup type of receiver um we we just haven't seen rice do a lot of work downfield and that's where justin watson the co-number one receiver for the chiefs comes in i mean watson's average depth of target uh compared to 4.9 for rice it's 18.4 yards he is their designated lid lifter uh in the chiefs offense and yes because of that high average depth of target justin watson isn't going to see a ton of targets in that role but he's he's become a pretty important piece for them. So what I will say, Fitz, on that point is I was very interested to uh, to see the change in the use. The, the ADOT didn't change last week for Rice. You're absolutely spot on. But what I thought was very interesting for Rice last week for his usage, he's been their slot wide receiver. He played 66% of his snaps on the perimeter last week. So I think some of the usage stuff is changing for Rice. But I agree with the ADOT. I have another question on this game, and Debra alluded to it earlier, but I want to talk about Jordan Love. He has finished as quarterback 18 or higher in every week except one this entire season. So if you're playing him in Superflex, you're you know very much in the money there. He's been a QB1 three straight weeks on top of that. How is he going to fare against what is a really, really good Chiefs defense? Debra, I'll start with you. Man, I talked about it earlier in the show, but Jordan Love has, and I have been extremely critical of him on this show apologies, man. Oh, Jordan Love is playing some really damn good football. Uh, I think that he's going to play really well again here. And the two things that 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 stood out to me when we were at the primer this week was since week 10, his efficiency, like his, his accuracy has been so much better. Over the first few weeks of the season, he was one of the most inaccurate quarterbacks in the entire NFL. Since week 10, ninth in yards per attempt, fifth in pass rating, seventh in CPOE. And the other thing that I'll I'll add on top of this is he has been a a totally different quarterback versus pressure. And that has really been where he has struggled the entirety of the season. Now, Kansas City's pass rush has been kind of up and down. But even when they bring pressure this week, I think Love can handle it, man, because that's what he's done over the last four to five games. So the biggest turnaround for him is not only been the accuracy, but him navigating muddy pockets, man, like so... Fitz, I'm sorry, man. Like I've been, I've been out on Jordan Love. He's pulling me back in. He, he really, really has. So I gotta apologize for this. 
Yeah, Fitz, as both an esteemed fantasy analyst and also a notable Packers fan, what do you make of Jordan Love in this matchup? Oh, man, I don't know. Cautious optimism, but it is going to be a fascinating test for him. Uh, I, I think the Packers are going to have no choice to once again be pass heavy in this matchup with Aaron Jones very likely out again this week. Um, that's a not an easy matchup. Chiefs defense is much better against the run than they are against the pass. Third in DVOA against the run, 27th, uh, excuse me, third in DVOA against the pass, 27th against the run. And we saw Jordan Love make his first NFL start against the Chiefs a couple of years ago. And the Chiefs just, Steve Spagnola just blitzed the pants off him and he could not handle it. He just wilted in the face of heavy blitzing. I, I think they're going to blitz him again. It's kind of what the Chiefs do. They're going to have DBs flying off the edge at Jordan Love. And like if he can continue to show poise and, and handle that pressure, like he could have a really big game in this one. So it is going to be such an interesting test for him. Like, I, I can't wait to see how he handles it. Fitz, uh, since week 10, love versus pressure, fourth in passing grade, second in yards per attempt, and sixth in adjusted completion rate versus pressure. Those numbers jumped off the freaking page. It's really good. Yeah, it's really damn good. Fitz, I want to throw some uh, betting pros player props your way on Jordan Love as well. I've got three of them. Over under 20, 229 and a half passing yards, one and a half passing touchdowns, three and a half rushing attempts, which I thought was interesting. Again, that's 229 and a half passing yards, one and a half passing touchdowns, three and a half rushing attempts. Fitz, what do you think about those? I'll go with the over on passing yardage. Like, that's my favorite one just because I think he's going to have a lot of pass attempts this week with uh, the lack of a running game. Like they, they're just not going to give the ball. AJ Dillon banged up himself. They're not going to give him 25 carries. I think it's going to be a real pass heavy attack, the occasional jet sweep to Jaden Reed. But otherwise I think it's going to be bombs away for love. Debro, I will run through those one more time for you. 229 and a half passing yards, one and a half passing touchdowns, three and a half rushing attempts. Um, I'm with Fitz. I'm going to take the over for the passing yardage. I agree. And the other thing that, that I'll throw out there is that Green Bay was aggressive last week versus the Lions. They knew they had to put up points. They came out firing. The one that really is very interesting there, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Worm, but the, the one and a half passing touchdowns line, you can also get it plus money. That one has been, I, I've been... So close to betting it. I'm probably going to add it to my bets uh, this week, but uh, give me the over on the one and a half at the plus money. Yeah, um, if it is plus money, I'm I'm pulling up the site. My internet's going slow, so I can't pull it up right now, but um, I trust you that you have that right on the plus money. We've got one more game here, guys. Monday Night Football, not quite as exciting as the Sunday Night Football. Bengals at Jaguars. It would have been really exciting if not for the Joe Burrow injury. After watching the first Bengals game with Jake Browning starting, how are you guys ranking their main fantasy guys rest of season? Fitz, I'll start with you. Oh, we're going to go out on such a depressing note, Ryan. Um, (laughs) Show Mixon, RB22. Uh, Mixon is still going to get a lot of work, but his efficiency is probably going to take a hit and his touchdown prospects will be greatly diminished. Jamar Chase, this pains me. Wide receiver 14, great, great player, but you know, Jake Browning is not the ideal target delivery mechanism. Uh, do, does anyone else even matter? I, I've got T. Higgins, yeah. wide receiver 43, no. Tyler Boyd, wide receiver 71, Tanner Hudson, tight end 20, uh, 28, 38, I think 28. 
So, um, yeah, like this is pretty gross. I guess you're still starting Mixon and Chase, but I don't want to start anyone else on the Bengals going forward. By the way, Debra, I did pull it up. It's plus Mm -hmm. 135 on the over for Jordan Love passing touchdowns. Uh, So it is definitely plus money. Uh, Yeah, Debra, what do you think about rest of season Bengals rankings? One interesting question that I want to kind of already follow up with you before you even answer. And I asked this to uh, Erickson on the live stream yesterday. Between Jamar Chase and Garrett Wilson, who are we more excited about? I think it's probably still Chase, but given that they're both dealing with these backup quarterbacks, how wide is that gap in terms of super talented number one receivers who are now really hamstrung by their quarterback? I'll still take Chase. I don't think the gap is massive only because we've seen Garrett Wilson justify the odds the entire season. So I'm not going to bet against him to continue doing that. Although, sure, baby, he is he has been walking the tightrope like garbage time touchdowns where it saves his day, things like that. I mean, it's it's been precarious, but I'll still take Chase there, although I don't think there's a massive gap. And I think uh, I mean, Fitz nailed it, man. Like, I don't think we see T Higgins this week. I don't know if we see T Higgins for the next few weeks, um, considering he's dealing with multiple injuries. So, yeah, for me, this is a quick conversation. It's Joe Mixon is a volume-dependent RB2, and Jamar Chase is a wide receiver, too. And the rest of this offense, uh, just straight up, hell no. Mm -mm. We will wrap it up on that super fun note. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for sticking around for the show. For Debro and Fitz, I am Ryan Warmly. We'll see everybody again next week. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. If you love the show, the best free way to support us is by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts at fantasypros.com slash review or on Spotify. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome.